Can we do that again, Chris? Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. That's the Chick-fil-A coming out. It's one of the Chick-fil-A managers. We always like to set them up for success when we thank them. Yeah, Chick-fil-A leaders. Okay. That's that customer, number one customer service in action there. How y'all doing? Man, what a day. Um, man, how fun it is that you don't have seats if you get here late. <laughs> we're building, we're expanding. We need to intercede for Tip City zoning uh, that they quit holding up our project. Uh, we're about two months in in various ways of, of some holdups um, through some of that. So anyway, um, we are going to, man, I'd love to honor somebody. They would hate it, they're going to hate it, but I love to honor when I can. And uh, man, I, Josh Lang, and I know, I know, Mr. and Mrs. Lang, I don't know if we even got a chance to recognize you as a couple, but I just want to brag on Josh for a minute. He got baptized, transformed his life, and then he's been overseas. And uh, he's back today for the first time in a long time. And he would text me watching online, usually live, wherever he was, um, just, just saying, what a service today. Thanks, Pastor Aaron, all this stuff. And man, it is so good to see you. I'm glad you're home safely. I'm glad you're here and you're in person. Is it way different in person? Oh, yeah. So, well, from, from us as corporately, I know I said it to you, well, welcome home, bro. Welcome home. It's good to have you. I may or may not have a little white paint or something on the, or glue on the table here. Um, man, we're, we're going to get straight into this, but could, could you just, I'm going to have you stretch your hands out and pray for me. My heart today is that um, upper room not be made famous, I not be made famous, but the Lord be made famous. That we do a few things today. One is that we build up the body of Christ. One, that we equip the believers for the work of their ministries. That we glorify the Lord and that we point to Jesus. So those four things, could you just pray for me that we do that today? Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And I, I, I just come before you and I ask, Lord, that we um, build your body, build your bride, God. That, that you use me to equip the believers for the work of their ministry, their purposes, their destinies. Lord, that we glorify you and that we point to Jesus, that we point to you, Jesus. That we make you famous, not ourselves. In Jesus' name, the church shouts. Amen. Come on. All right. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm doing, I'm starting a series. I just kind of decided it, um, but we're starting a series um, today called Armor and Arrows armor and arrows uh, and it's and it's from a personal experience this week and it's from personal things we've been navigating and um, honestly journeying through as a mom and dad as pastors in this process of trusting the Lord with everything no matter what's going on around us no matter what's happening no matter the wild world around us that we're going to trust the Lord we're going to surrender and submit our kids to the Lord um, his plans everything right and uh, I found myself Thursday morning um, getting pulled straight in. I'm about to get there. Any of you Christian rock fans from the 90s to 2000s, there was a band called Family Force 5. And there was a lyric, wait up, hold a minute, put a little love in it. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. I'm going straight in. And then I was like, it's happening there was the presidential debate on Wednesday night, I believe it was. Thursday morning, I find myself getting pulled right into it, like a gravitational magnetic pull. 
And then I start hearing, they're ramping up COVID, they're doing this, and I, I feel myself just like, it's happening. And I felt myself getting mad and angry and fearful and all of these things. Kids started school, and I'm like, if they even make masks, you know, start, start these things, right, start to go in. And I was like, wait up, hold up, wait a minute. We're going to put a little love in it. Anybody else feel themselves getting pulled straight into this? We would have never planned four years ago for us to end up on the wild ride we ended up on. But I felt this pull. What? Who's that? Why, Why is this happening? They wouldn't let Donald Jr. into the press conference. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Hold up. Wait a minute. We're going to put a little love in it. So I feel this in my heart. And, and we were t- what's funny is we were processing and dialoguing with our kids the armor of God this week in one of the nighttime kind of devotionals, prayer times before school. Like we're just talking about put on the full armor. And I started getting into it and I started getting into Ephesians and I started really diving into Ephesians 1 and just some things. And I, I, here's, here's what my heart is today, that it is August. We're ending August. We're pursuing into a presidential election and it's happening. You're going to be pulled straight into stupid, straight into darkness, straight into fear, straight into division if we don't put on that whole armor of God and start to view things the way heaven and the Lord is viewing things. Okay? So it is our job as believers, as the church, as the body of Christ, to fight for unity, to portray Jesus, to reveal his love, and not walk around in fear. We are not going to walk around in fear, but we are going to walk around in love. All right? And, and we are going to walk around in honor. And we're not going to turn ourselves against somebody who looks different, feels different, thinks differently about a political party, a political candidate, or a view on COVID. Can, can we agree with that? I'm not asking you to, to um, conform your beliefs and your stance on things. I'm not asking for conformity. I'm asking for unity. It's different. Conformity is everybody being like one another. Unity is just agreeing to celebrate one another, love one another, even in our differences. So I want to go to Ephesians 1 uh, because I think it's packed full of some power, all right? Um, so, so this is what we're going to do. Ephesians 1, I am going to do a little expository again today, and uh, we're going to dissect the prayer of Paul for the church of Ephesus here, okay? And I feel it's so fitting, and then we're going to end celebrating that who wins? Jesus wins. Jesus wins. He is returning for his bride, and he wins, and no matter what happens on earth, no matter the trials we go through, no matter what, how wicked it might get, who wins? So if our focus is Jesus, and he's in us, we win. No matter what happens around us, we win, and we don't have to stress out. We don't have to get concerned. We don't have to fear anything. So Ephesians 1, I'm going to be all ESV today. Ephesians 1. And I'm going to start in verse 15. So this is Paul. He's, he's, he's writing. This letter is just a bit different than a lot of his other letters to a lot of the churches. Oftentimes, he's confronting wrong. He's confronting sin. He's like, oh, man, the, the, the church is just in a mess right now. I need, I need to write this letter. I need to change some things. They need, to, they need to get their act together. This is actually just a little bit different. He's actually celebrating who they are. And I would say Ephesians is probably one of the best summaries of what Paul feels about the church, the Lord, and their assignment. 
So this Ephesians, it's great to read. It's only six chapters. Great to read start to finish because I feel this is a great summary of the letters that he wrote, but he's not necessarily confronting evil, wrong. He's presenting the gospel. He's presenting Jesus, and he's, he's kind of praising them in a way, but then he's also then giving them assignment of how they're supposed to be. So here's a prayer that Paul says, and then we're going to go verse by verse. 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope. Say hope. hope. To which you have been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? Say inheritance. In the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Power. Power. Toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above rule and authority. Who is above it? And power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That sounds like a lot of church language, doesn't it? So we're going to break it down. Any break dancers in the house? Anybody want to stand and do a break dance? We're going to break it down here. I've already embarrassed somebody today. I've tried not to do that again. All right, so, so let's, let's break this down verse by verse here, okay? So let's go to verse 16. Okay, so for this reason, he's heard. Their faith is good. They're doing well. Verse 16, we get to this point. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I think oftentimes we go to the Lord in prayer when we know somebody needs something, I need something, something's wrong, something's messed up, right? But he's saying, no, you're doing great, but I'm never going to stop praying for you because I love you. We have to position ourselves to say, even when things are great, now we're going to bless. Now we're going to pray preservation. We're going to pray protection. We're going to pray for the advancement of the kingdom, right? Not just the need, but the celebration and the praise of of who and what's going on, right? So there's this cool thing that the focus wasn't just, I pray that that you will um, escape the Roman Empire. And I pray that, you know, so then we get into this verse 17. And it says this, that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of what? And revelation in the knowledge of him. All right, let's let's stop there for a minute. We'll move on to 18 in a minute. So, So here's this thing, again, pointing out that he is not specifically praying for their needs. Now listen, they are in a jacked up system right now. Jews versus Gentiles, the Roman Empire. Let me just say this. Their world was more jacked up right here when Paul's writing this than ours is now. There was genocide. There's all this stuff going on. There's a mess going on in the world around them. But Paul's not specifically saying, I'm praying healing for your disease. I'm praying that you escape the Roman Empire, that you do this or this or this. No, he's saying, I'm praying that no matter what comes your way, no matter what trial you go through, no matter what issue you face, that you will have wisdom and revelation. We're getting to a model prayer here that I want you to get in today to pray for yourself, to pray for others, that you will pray for people to have wisdom and revelation, not to change who's president, not to say I don't, 
we want the Lord to reign and rule in America, okay? We want him to be glorified. But let me just tell you this. Even if we end up with a corrupt, sinful president, Jesus is still king. So when this happens, because it does happen time to time, it does and is and has happened that we end up with rulers over us that are from darkness. But when we have wisdom and revelation, we're not stumbling over the issues at hand and, and all of this sexual confusion and these things and our world's hell in a handbasket. Well, the good thing is Jesus is king and heaven's coming and he rules and reigns. So now I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it as a promise. So, so there's this thing of wisdom and revelation because wisdom reveals who God is. Revelation reveals how he's going to work it out. Wisdom is the full truth knowing that Jesus was, he was, he, he, he was killed on the cross. He was, he was crucified, but he was resurrected for us. And our hope is in him and our hope and our, and our wisdom is knowing that he is in charge. Amen. That nothing is too big, too small, too great for Jesus. And then there's this revelation saying, I don't know the details. I don't know how this is going to roll out. I don't even know how the Lord's going to use this for good when this stuff is happening. His word says that he will. Romans 8, we go into all these promises that he will use for good what the enemy means for what? Destruction. So now we have the revelation, the understanding, the, the faith that there's this wisdom piece and there's this revelation that says, no matter what happens, God, you're king. You are ruler of the universe. You've created all things. We trust you. You know, imagine the, the guys going to the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Imagine that prayer that they said. They said, no matter what, we know we're facing death. We know that no person has ever survived this, but Lord, we trust you. And all of a sudden, they get to the fiery furnace, and guess what? There's a fourth man in the fire. There's an angel that joins them, and they walk out unscathed, and an entire nation comes to Jesus based on the fire that they faced. He used it for good, and there was this trust. There was this wisdom and revelation. No matter what, God, we trust you. But let's, let's move on here just for a second. Because it's not the circumstance they're pay, praying for. It's not with, if his grace will be sufficient or make them more than conquerors. God, give them wisdom and revelation. A lot of times we, we get wrapped up in the weeds and we're focusing on the specific darkness when if we have wisdom and revelation, all of a sudden he's going to give us the wisdom to navigate it and his grace is already sufficient for the need. I could go on and on about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip on to verse 18 here. Okay. So, it's an understanding of who God is. Verse 18 and 19. So, here's kind of the model prayer. Because Paul's specifically asking for three things. The three things are, um, it's this model. Say, if we're going to pray, let's pray these three things. And, and it's this. The three things kind of summarized are, that you may know what is the hope of which you are called to. Or that you are called. The hope of which you're called. Second is the riches of a glorious inheritance. Remember? Say Inheritance. And the third is the immeasurable greatness of his what? Power. Speaking of power, I need some power of hydration. Evelyn, would you bring me that or toss that to me? So there's these three things. So this is the model kind of prayer. Isn't she beautiful and lovely and amazing? Come on, she loves it. She's the middle child. She loves all the attention that she can get. 
So there's these three things of this model prayer. The hope of your calling. The hope that you know of your calling. The, the inheritance and the power. It's, it's this amazing thing, and we're going to dissect that a little bit. But let's focus on hope here. So we're at verse 18, the hope to which he has called you. First off, hope. Hope as Christians or as Christ followers or Christ in us is, is that our circumstances do not determine our destiny, our calling, our purpose. Let, let me be more specific. COVID does not determine our calling, our purpose, our future, and our destiny. Who is the U.S. president does not determine our... I can go on and on and on and on. The things that your kids are going through, as unfair and unjust as they are, does not determine the goodness of God and the hope in Him that He set us apart to navigate these things. It's the hope to know that our kids are called too. Before they were ever born. Let, let, let me, I'm skipping ahead of myself. But let, let me just reframe this. That Jesus, our hope is in that Jesus came to earth. He took on all of these circumstances, all of this darkness, all of sin, all of craziness, all of our poor choices, all of everything that's a wreck right now that was leading to death and he brought it to life. His entire nature is to bring dead things to life, to bring light to darkness. So our hope in every circumstance and everything that the world is facing right now and every issue at hand is that Jesus will bring the hope of his light, his love, his power, his goodness, his grace, his mercy. Fill it in, everybody. Fill it in some stuff. No, you right now. This is interactive. What will Jesus bring to every circumstance? Fill in. Joy. Come on, keep going. That's the wisdom and revelation of the hope of Jesus, of what he brings into every situation. But if in our flesh we start to dwell on this and start to get irritated at what we're seeing in the news and what we're seeing in the media and what's presented and, and, and honestly perverted as it's presented to us, we're going to focus on what Jesus isn't doing or what the enemy is doing. But the hope of Jesus flips the script to everything that we just mentioned. There is hope in Jesus and there is hope in humanity when he is in them. There is hope in culture when he is in it. No, I, I get it. We've got to take a stand. We've got to, we've got to stand for righteousness. But then there's this thing to know that God's in charge. It's, it's the weight of the world's not on me. It's in his hands. Amen. So then we get to this place that says, you are called. The hope of our calling. The hope of Jesus and the reminder that we are called. Okay? This is fun. We're equipping the believers for the work of their ministry right here. Go with me um, to Deuteronomy 7, 6. See, this is, this is very cool. What's happening is, it says um, that, that you are called, the, the hope in which he has called you. And then he goes into this language, right, that we've already read. He is literally, Paul is repeating much of the Old Testament. He is quoting Moses and the reminders to the Israelites and several times where they were being discouraged, when they were wanting to go back to slavery because they knew where their next meal was coming from. Imagine that comfortability. Imagine that. 
that we get so comfortable that we'd rather be in slavery because we know where our meal's coming from rather than take the risk of the promised land when, when water's flowing from rocks, donuts are falling from the sky, birds are just like showing up. You're like, oh man, another meal. But comfortability is so safe in our natural world that we would rather stay in slavery in that realm rather than take a step out of the boat and walk on the water to the promised land. So what's happening is Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus here that, hey, you are called. Let me remind you because, you know, they know the law. So he's quoting Moses. One example here is in Deuteronomy 7, 6. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Does that sound familiar what we read? The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession, or another version would say his inheritance. Out of all the peoples who are the face of the earth, okay? Now, let me go to Jeremiah. We're just going to rattle through a couple more here. Do you know you were called before you were ever birthed on this earth? <laughs> let me just say this. We believe that God had you created at the beginning in the creation of the earth. You were not just a thought. You were a plan. You were not a mistake. No matter how you came into this world, you were not an accident. You were not a mistake. You were not by chance or you were not some fun night. You were a plan from God, purpose for his destiny, and a calling as a child of God. My daughter, she redid this thing. She's like, what's your vertigo? I'm a child of God. If you've seen that, but it's really funny. That's who you are, right? So you, you were predestined. You were actually called before you were in your mother's womb. You were called by name. The numbers on your hair were, were on your head. Uh, the numbers of hair on your hair were. I may have had one too much cup of coffee today. Very um, likely that that happened. I'm like shaking. I don't know if I'm so excited to preach this, or if it's the caffeine, or if it's just Holy Spirit. Either way, we'll take it all, because I believe um, the Holy Spirit is in coffee. So. And all of you who are missing out and don't like coffee, we just pray impartation, the spirit of coffee. In, in, no, I'm just kidding. So, so anyway, you were predestined. You were called by name, and he numbered the hairs of your head. He knew you. He predestined you. He foreknew you before the foundations of the earth. You know, you go to Psalms 139. He fearfully and wonderfully made you, and you were perfect in his image. We get off track, we mess up, we sin. We interceded for that stuff today. We, we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, but addicts are not defined by their issue. They are children of the Lord. They are sons and daughters. I, I have a criminal number in the system. That is not my identity. That's my past, and it's forgiven as far as the east is to the west. It's somewhere buried on a deep ocean floor where, where they can't even get to it. Thank you, Lord. My identity is I'm a son. I'm a beloved of the beloved. I'm, I'm, a, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed by the king. That's who you are. Jeremiah 1.5 says it like this. I get really passionate about this because if we know who and whose we are, we are unstoppable because he's in us. We don't have to worry about the tactics of the enemy or what's happening in our world and, and get addicted to Fox News because it's all lies anyway. The only truth is in our word. Before I formed you, Jeremiah 1.5, I'm sorry. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I called you. 
I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Isaiah 43, 1 says it like this. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. I'll take that. I'll grab right onto that. And last, 1 Peter 2, 9. I love this, and it goes into our next verse, which is um, in, in 19 here. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Okay, that's, that's the verse in Ephesians. But here's what 1 Peter 2.9 says. But you are a chosen race or a chosen generation. Okay? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Come on, here's our identity. This is our identity. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his own possession or pleasure that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Everybody say, I'm to be light. That's the closing today. Darkness, you have no power over light. I love, I, I love Ty. We are warning you, devil. We are warning you. We, we have so much compassion and mercy. We are giving you a friendly warning. Get the hell out. Out of our children, out of addiction, out of our culture, out of our nation, out of our politics. Get the hell and the sin and the, the corruption straight out. I told you I'm fired up. All right. I want to back up now and cover pretty much most of one now. Because this is in our inheritance. Church languagey, but good. All right. So let's start in verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. I'm going to read all the way to 14 to catch up where we are. Because this is our inheritance. It says, as we read already in Ephesians later on in the prayer, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Well, Paul already said, blessed he be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, as you listen to this, or maybe read along, I want you to pull this straight into your soul and spirit. This is your promise. This is your inheritance. This is the glory of the Lord for you, your life, your kid's life, and anybody that you pray and bless. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, come on. We should be cheering. In him, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses, the redemption of his blood, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Is this hitting anybody? Oh, man. It hit me. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? Everybody say, that's my inheritance. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 is our inheritance. That is the promise of God. That is the redemption of Jesus. That is the power of the blood. That is the spirit of adoption for the spirit to live in us. It's an entire summary of the gift of salvation and the walking in the fulfillment and the power and the fullness of the Spirit. In there, there's a couple things mentioned. One is the spirit of adoption. Now, if we were to go, for the sake of time, I'm not, but if we were to go to Romans 8 and Galatians 4 and a couple other areas of the Bible, he gets a little more specific in his letters about the spirit of adoption. And one, he's referencing saying, you're no longer slaves, Right? your sons and daughters. And another, and he also elaborates and says that we are heirs to heaven. So inheritance and heir is similar of the part of the same Greek root word that our inheritance is what? Heaven. If we are heirs to heaven and of heaven and the throne, it says the throne, and co-heirs with Christ. My dad is a king. Not just a king. The king of kings. Which makes us princes and princesses and kings and queens. Because why? We are royal what? Priesthood. That's our inheritance. All right. Let, let me move on. Verse 19. All right. Now here we get into to two, two additional points. Okay. Verse 19 says that immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Okay. So there's this power. All right. Then it, then it moves on to 20 because the power points out two things. It's power in two things. And it goes on to say, raised him from the dead and seated him to the right hand. At the right hand. Are, are you tracking with me here? So it's power for two things. One, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us to operate in that same power. The power of the miraculous. The power to manifest Jesus in us, around us, through us, and on earth. Okay? It's the spirit, the person of Jesus, the person dwelling in us. It's the power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in us. Amen. That's good news. Yeah. That gives us a lot of authority and power. We covered it last week. Okay? So, so there's this cool thing that it's that power, but then there's a second power that we are seated at the right hand and seated in the heavenly places. Now let, let, me, let me just expand on this a little bit. Am, are you as excited as I am right now? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe it. I'm kind of geeking out over this, just to be really honest with you. Like, if you see a fat kid in a candy store, that's me right now. I'm like a fat kid at Grandpa Joe's right now. I'm like, where do I go? So, seated in these heavenly places mean we see circumstances and things differently than we would on earth. We have the power now with wisdom and revelation to see from heaven's perspective to where no longer do I see an addict, I see a promise from the Lord. No longer do I see a cultural issue, I see an opportunity for light. No longer do I see this issue or this problem, I see promises. So now, it's not only the power to do something about it, the power to pray, the power to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, as the Great Commission elaborates on many of the Gospels ending it, but now the power to see from heaven's perspective, while he's at the right hand, he's interceding on our behalf. 
So now it's also the power to submit to know that Jesus has already gone before us and he's the greatest intercessor interceding on our behalf. So I get to rest and be still and know that he's God. I hope this enlightens and awakens something in you that we, especially sometimes being labeled as charismatic, we got to cast out demons and do this and lay hands on a sick. And, well, there's now this power within that same Holy Spirit to actually submit and let God take care of it and let watch the fireworks go off like we talked about last week. That's not a battle I have to fight. I'll vote. I'll stand up for what's right. But Lord, this presidential election, it's yours. COVID madness, it's yours. So now we can look at it from a perspective seated next to the Father, saying, Lord, what are you doing about this? What is your narrative in this? And let me just tell you this. Sometimes he allows things to happen to reveal his grace even greater. Jamie Van Gelder, who speaks here often, he, he, he gave me an example of this. I was like, God doesn't cause destruction. He's a good father. He doesn't do that. He's like, Aaron, let me share a story with you. I need to hydrate for this one he's he was an extreme mountain biker extreme snowboarder big, big time into some sports like that and he said he would go on these long mountain bike trips way out into the wilderness way out in the long paths and one time he was snowboarding and he was doing tricks and flips and stuff and he landed wrong and he broke his back in that they discovered that he had a rare heart condition that if went unnoticed and un accessible a long bike ride he may have died so the lord used what was tragic and bad and wrong not that he necessarily caused it but he uses it for good so sometimes when darkness or issues or circumstances or crisis happens it's now a realm in which the lord can do some surgery and do some things and bring attention to what was in the dark it's now in the light let me, let me talk about spirit of darkness and principalities. Can, can, we, can we go there for a minute? Verse 21 says this. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Now this is funny. Statements like this got Paul into prison because essentially what he's doing, he's undermining the Roman Empire. He's saying Jesus is the king of kings. He has the power and authority. Not the king of the earth, not the political powers to be, not the culture, not these things. But Jesus has all power and authority. And then he goes on to say, uh, above every name, and in verse 1 continues, says, not only in this age, but the age to come. All right, I'm almost done. Matter of fact, I think the band could come and that might pressure me to be faster. Might. It might. It's my disclaimer. I said I'm almost done, I didn't say I was done, and I didn't say I was closing for the record. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, go to the end of Ephesians with me. Because then you start making fun of me. Pastor Aaron closes like three or four times before he actually finishes. <laughs> Verse 10. I'm, I'm actually, I actually have no clue what that clock says. Okay. Time to get a tune up in the eyes. I'm just kidding. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul is awakening. These are some of the final instructions he's giving them. And, and he's saying, listen, there is this collision of heaven and earth right now. And the spiritual powers are trying. But guess what? The heavenly realm wins. He's saying that. But we have authority. He had just told us in verses 20, 21 that, that Jesus has all authority under this. And we're about to get the icing on the cake here in a minute. But let me give you an example. Because, see, sometimes the principalities are only revealing what the heart wants. Sometimes when, let, let me just say this, you can put heroin in front of me and it's going to do absolutely nothing. I was like, okay, how do, what do we do to dispose of this? You put that in front of somebody else and they take it, it's actually only revealing what's probably in there, what the heart wants anyway, what the natural person wants. You can put that with anything, money, you could, alcohol, whatever, whatever the vice or the issue is. So a lot of times when the principalities and the rulers of darkness start to manifest all of a sudden, what's already in there is now being squeezed and coming out. So you throw COVID in this realm of a principality of darkness, fear starting to come out because that's what's in there. And now what's revealed? You put an election in there, and sometimes even elections that might be unfair or whatever the theories are. You, you, you put it in there, and what's squeezed is now division because division was there anyway. So now what's happening is actually darkness is now revealing what the hearts and what culture and what things may have been susceptible to, weak to, or hungry for. And now we know where light needs to penetrate. <sighs> we see this in our kids. How many have had to walk out in injustice with your kids? However big or small, or grandkids, or close, close friend, or relative, or significant other we're walking something out right now and, and honestly in the grand scheme of eternity it's trivial but in our reality of life it's challenging does that make sense so we're saying in this squeezing your character is being improved but their character is not you're better off for this than if you hadn't went through it because now you're becoming more dependent on God and these things are things you do but it's not who you are. And being left out of things or being forgotten or being picked on or these things are now building something in you that now your companionship, your need, your faith, your security, your acceptance, your identity is in Christ, not the thing. I'm trying to set us up for the next few months just to be really honest with you. There's nothing more that media, culture, politics would want is for us as a nation, as a group of believers, as this church to be divided. These are things, so we're, we're talking to our girls about some things that are happening. We're like, I would hate to be them on judgment day over such trivial things, but you are being perfected in his image, babies. You are growing. Let me give you an example, a, a, a more cultural example. A, a large-scale cultural example, and I think I'm done mentioning the word COVID in politics for today. 50, 60 years ago, I was listening to a podcast. It's kind of a fun one that I listen to. A lot of times I get Bible information and to sound smarter than I really am. And 
he was he was presenting this point and this 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 thing is specifically about the sexual revolution 50 60 years ago uh, some of you may have lived through that I, I, I wasn't born so but 50 60 years ago there was a sexual revolution or even called sexual liberation what a wrong word that's like calling Planned Parenthood Planned Parenthood. You're planning for abortion and death, not planning and helping equip parents to be parents. It's a disguise, right? So anyway, we had this sexual revolution take place, and this was a principality of darkness that really flaunted and marketed and exploited sex, and sex was now an event and a fun thing you do, not a covenant that you make. And it exploited these things that marriage wasn't important. And let me just tell you, when, when the sexual revolution was going on, there was two sexual diseases, two, two sexually transmitted diseases, two STDs. Just, just years later, a couple decades later, over 27. I feel, and, 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 and I feel, like I always tell this to the guys at work and our youth, we always said this, you want to end abortion, you want to end STDs, save sex for marriage. And in one generation, it would be over. But anyway, there's a whole generation that, that began to explore this and began to, to be exposed to this and journey in this. How did that work out for the kids and grandchildren in this generation now? We have sexual confusion. We have transgender issues. We, we are all over the map in this realm. And now we have a curse, an epidemic called a fatherless generation. Because we devalued marriage and we devalued what sex was intended for in a marriage by a gift from God to bring unity and multiplication and we've perverted it to a fun event. And there's no attachment. There's no swipe. Just keep swiping. So easy. Oh, that's a hookup. Oh, and now we're bragging about how many sexual partners people have slept with rather than celebrating the one woman I get to be with. These are the things. So, so, but we don't stop there. What happened was this principality exposed the darkness and the hunger for sexual immorality. And it wasn't new. It's not new. All it did was become public. Are you tracking with me here a little bit? Because you can fill in the blank for any of these principalities, rulers of darkness, all this stuff. So now we get to this, to this place and we get to go back to verse 22 and 23. Here is the good news. Far above rule and authority, I'm actually going to start at uh, 21. Far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, the king of all kings says this, and he put all things, oh wait, I think I skipped some. No, I did. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, let me, let me recap. Last week we talked about concrete, and we talked about on this rock we'll build our church. What is the, the, the rock, Petro? What is the rock that we'll build our church on? Okay, Jesus, good. Four of you paid attention last week. I'm very proud of you. What are the rocks or the Petrus that is the rock we build the church on? Peter's name mean? rock people us right concrete concrete jesus is the rock underneath it's the gravel formed and they become one okay 
revisit that maybe again and again. So this thing, but it's the ecclesia. It's the ecclesia. Now, now that Jesus became over all authority, over everything, including the ecclesia, meaning we don't have to worry. We get to gather, celebrate, point to him, and not worry about what's happening in the darkness. We just get to have authority over it. Are you with me? All right, let me, let me finish this thought and we're done. All right, you can stand with me. That, again, will prompt me to work faster. But I am officially closing now. I think we're minutes away from sealing the deal. No, I did not say I was closing before. All right. The gum is in. I'm ready to talk to people after this. We're expediting this now. And see, here's what happens is, oftentimes when darkness presents itself, we get to realize that we fear man, we fear circumstances, we fear culture more than we trust the Lord. And all of a sudden, we then get to realize that God did not give us a what? A spirit of fear, or in some versions, timidity, but power. Power. Now there's an enlightenment of what that power is. Love, right? We get to love our neighbors ourselves. We get to love the way Jesus loves. And we get to see people and the things and the stuff the way Jesus sees. And then also what? Sound mind. Sound mind or self-control or even translation, wisdom and revelation. So now when we see darkness, it's now an opportunity because let me just tell you this. The darker it is, the more light gets to be revealed. When it's really dark in here and we turn all these lights off, all right? You can't see. You run into chairs. You're blinded for a second. And then when your eyes adjust, all we need to do is flip on those little wall sconces and we can see anything we need in here because it's a lot of darkness. But when we first turn it off, there's an adjustment there. So light's cool being around light. Light's cool. It gets brighter. Light gets brighter with other light, okay? And that's cool. That's fine. We need that. We need that encouragement. We need that building one another up, iron sharpening iron. But what we were intended to do with the spirit of Christ in us is actually reveal light in that darkness. So now when I hear them amping up the C word, I said I wasn't going to say it again. I get to be the light to my coworkers around me who are getting frustrated by that, who are getting scared by that, who are, who are getting fearful or annoyed by that. When, when my coworkers come in and they're like, who's gonna be the next president? I get to be the light because darkness of the principality is starting to reveal itself. And now I don't have to come on board and say, you know, I don't know, they're all bad choices. I don't even know anymore. I don't even know who we're gonna get. That is not light. That is darkness working with darkness. I get to say, I don't know, but I'm trusting the Lord in this. I know he'll reveal who I should vote for and I'll get in my Bible and I'll probably see who biblically matches that and vote for that person. I'm kind of saying the same thing, but in a different light to present Jesus because I want to point to him and I know that his authority gives me the power to see from the heavenly places sitting at the right hand as well as intercede and do that, but also the power of the spirit in me to do something about it. All right. Okay, so we will be the church of light. We will be the ecclesia of power, love, wisdom, and revelation. And last, we will be a people that know the hope that we are called, right? That we have inheritance in him and that we have the power, amen? Okay, let me pray for you. Because can I just tell you the best news of all? If you start to get nervous about the bad news, 
final closing. The best news of all is that you are redeemed by Jesus. You are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. He, is, <laughs> he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is resurrected. And here's the good news. Here's the best news. He is returning. And he wins. I felt that. Everybody just shout, he wins. Say it again. One more time. He wins. Amen. All right, we're going to ask our prayer team to come. Um, man, I would love to welcome you into the greatest relationship in to humanity, and it's Jesus Christ. He came. He died for you. He paid the price for you. He paid so that you could be redeemed and purchased by the blood. And, uh, man, the blood of the Lamb covered it for you, that you don't have to be that blood sacrifice. But your sin, the consequences of sin is death. It is that, that dark, that rulers of the, the dark world. It is death. But Jesus came to give what? Life and life abundantly. So if you need prayer in your body, your relationships, your finances, your circumstances, we have a prayer team here. And if you want to make the greatest decision of life, we'd love for you to do that. So I'm going to pray. Can we all just kind of say this? And if it's for the first time or you don't know what I'm talking about, come see one of them. Also, we have... Uh, first-time guest bags at the info bar, as well as if you're interested in salvation or you just said this prayer for the first time or need a little bit more like what's next, go to the info bar. But I'd love to just pray and just accept this prayer into our hearts, accept Paul's purpose here into our hearts and his, and his provision and destiny for us. So God, we thank you. We thank you that our inheritance is you. We thank you that we were predestined and that we are called. Lord, that we have a hope in you of your death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you that we're redeemed by your blood. We thank you that we have the power of your spirit, Lord, in us. And we thank you for the promises. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the authority and it's under your feet. And it's by you and your authority given to us over darkness. So Lord, let us be the light around us. Let us not walk in fear or timidity, but let us walk with power, love, wisdom, and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Be the light.